0: Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Pocket Squares, my daughters, they put it together. And, and I thought, you know, I want to demonstrate how I feel today because I feel loved, church. I feel blessed, Church. And today, if you're ready for it, today, if you can pay attention, I am certain today you will be blessed. A hundred percent sure you'll be blessed. Why? Because we have this whole sermon series that we've been planning to do here, and I was putting it together last night, and I was figuring out exactly how I wanted to tee up this message. And as I'm putting it together, I, I'm conflicted. I, I, I could have went this way. I could have went that way. And, you know, the messages are all, all done. I was deciding which one am I going to do first, second, third. And my wife comes home, and we begin to talking. And it becomes obvious to me that the Lord is saying something different. And then I realize, in the midst of what he's saying, once I got quiet and kids left and the doors are shut and the music's up so that I can only think, I realize That the Lord said, before you start, remind them that they are blessed. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Why are we going to talk about it this morning? Why do you pick now? It was pretty obvious to me after I told my wife, like, this is what the Lord's saying to me. Does this make any sense to you? She says, of course it does. It's Thanksgiving. So on Thanksgiving, what do we recognize? All the things that we are thankful for. It is a day to be thankful. So this week you are going to be gathering around the tables and you are going to be giving thanks. And you'll sit around the table. Maybe, maybe you do what we do, which is before the meal and before you pray, we each go around the table and say something we're thankful for, right? Um, maybe you have a different tradition or ritual you go through to express your thankfulness. And I want to share this with you as we're putting things together. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you are at your job or in your financial status or where you are with your health or where you are sort of with your stress, regardless of where you are, the simple fact that you live here in America, in Maryland, in Rosedale, sitting here in this church right now, probably had breakfast and if not a donut, sitting in a well-temperature sanctuary, hearing the Word of God freely, you have way more to be thankful for than you do to complain about. Amen. Amen. And believe me, I know we have a lot to complain about. Well, I sit around tables all the time. I can't get to a dinner table. Roy, I can't get to a single dinner table at work, at home, social, otherwise, where somebody ain't complaining about something. I don't care what it is. If it's not politics, it's the weather. If it's not the weather, it's the food. If it's not the food, it's the service. If it's not the service, it's the kids. If it's not the kids, it's what somebody's wearing, what somebody's saying, or what we thought somebody said, or what we thought somebody would meant. We have a lot to complain about. So as I'm putting this together, should I go up there and tell everybody, Lord, do not complain? He says, no. You can complain all you want. Just remember that you have way more to be thankful about than complain about. So as much as you complain, you need to be way more thankful than that. Amen? To continue to add levity, comedy to this situation, because I want to make sure we, we slowly get into the word here, because I don't want to blow anyone away, because this is, this is mind-blowing stuff here. So I'm, I'm going to slow you in, because, because I think that if I do it this way, and in a very American way, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So here is American presentation of being thankful, or maybe not so much. There are 4 kids in this video, and they all got prank presents from their family, and they all had pretty different reactions to it. The one on the left got paper, the second one on the left got toothpaste, and the second one on the right got some tissues, and the one on the far right got some pull up diapers. The kid who got the paper seemed pretty happy with her gift. Maybe she was an artist or something. The one who got toothpaste was disappointed, but didn't want to seem ungrateful, and the one with the pull ups just looked confused. The kid who got the tissues, though, oh, he was not happy at all. I think after crying a lot, he could use those tissues. What do you got, Landon? Diapers? (laughs) Diapers? You got diapers? (laughs) Pull ups. Oh, they're pull ups. Tissue paper. No. I guess. Well, that's not very nice. Yep. <laughs> okay. So that was the scene. It's Christmas season. We're getting into it. There's going to be Christmas gifts, you know. And some families do this, whether it's relatives or this family, you know, was trying to teach their kids a lesson at Christmas, and they gave them some basic necessities. Right? Um, Things that the kids all need. You know you need toothpaste. You need paper. You need tissue tissue paper. And and the one kid was in pull-ups and he needs pull-ups. These are all things that you need. And frankly, by the way, to be serious for a moment, these are all things that we put into our gift baskets and we send to missionaries. We send around the world for, for kids and families who do not have these things. So we make jokes about it in America. We do all the time. But these are basic necessities. These are things literally that are required, and we are blessed with them every day. Now, these kids are blessed with so much of it that when they got more of it for Christmas and they unwrapped it, and you know, maybe there's a cruel joke in there somewhere, you know, teaching your kid a lesson. You know, I I love the pictures of the faces there, right? The one kid's like, mm, paper. Very nice. (laughs) The little daughter reminded me of Madison. I don't see Maddie here, but the little daughter reminded me of Madison. She saw the toothpaste, she knows that she's not excited. But she she just wants dad to know how much she loves dad. So she's just like, hmm, it's just okay. It's not so bad. I mean, it's not terrible. It was not cold. The kid with the diapers definitely looked confused. <laughs> he was like, so do I stink? Like, what's the deal here? But that other kid who took the tissue paper, I don't like it. And at the end, he said nope. Um, and so, this is a story that in a visual that I wanted to show you to remind us again of how blessed we are, and often it is the case, when we're blessed, we sometimes overlook it. And even other cases, we no longer want it. Throw it away in this case. I want you to think of all the things you're thankful for. And it reminds us how we should be thankful. And so, yes, this is going to be one of those messages where at least at the beginning here, I remind you to be thankful. It's a thanksgiving message. We need to sit around our table and be thankful. And I encourage you, church. I encourage you, church. I encourage you, church. Regardless of your setting, regardless of your family, regardless of your friends, regardless of your social environment, when you sit down and tell people what you're thankful for, please mention Jesus. Look, I'm thankful for lots of things. I'm thankful for the F's. What are the F's? Friends, family, finances, fun. I'm thankful for those things. I'm also thankful for the H's housing, my health, my hobbies. Matt, we like our hobbies, right? We're thankful for the ability to do things like basketball and football or golf. You know, my neighbor likes to cut his grass all the time. He's thankful and get up there and cut his grass. I'm thankful for these things. And maybe for you, you're thankful for things. Maybe there are th- things, possessions that you have that you're thankful for. Make no mistake, you should be thankful for the things that you have. Because all good things come from above. God has blessed you. And you should be thankful for those things. But I also want you to be thankful for the God who created all things. And I want you to be able to have a Thanksgiving meal and acknowledge who God is that created all things, created you, created your friends, your relationships, gave you opportunities for your job and your health. And I want you to acknowledge that. So often we get into these circles and not religious family or not religious friends or whatever, and we want to dial down the Jesus note. The Bible says in all things give thanks. Amen? Amen. Okay, so I figured if I at least start there, you know, there's your Thanksgiving message. We need to be thankful. But you know me, I, I can't just do a traditional Thanksgiving message or a traditional message in any sort. I got to dig, brother. So I'm going to dig a little bit. Let's take us into the, the church scene. Do you feel, church, like you're blessed? Do you feel like you're blessed, church? We got one, we got two, we got three. We got four, we got five, we got six. Okay, okay, you're starting to feel a little bit. You see, feeling is an emotion. It requires a response. When I ask you if you feel something, show me what you feel, church. Or I'm going to get Brother Roy up there on that keyboard. He's going to help me show you how to feel. Amen. I looked it up. I looked it up in a dictionary. Brother Pat got me on this. You know, Webster's, Merriman, start looking up dictionary.com. I I was very interested what the world was going to call blessing. I mean, it could have gone a lot of ways with this. Blessing. In the dictionary, it says, blessing is a favor or a gift from God. Could you believe that? They recognize, they recognize that, that there's something in this world that we need a name for, blessing, that is about something that's not in this world. It actually says that in the dictionary. It says, Gift or favor from God. Special. And the second, you know one definition, two definition. The second definition is a special or distinct mercy or benefit. It's also um, nice words. I, I forgot the exact way it said it. It said, um, you know, gracious words. So if I say a blessing over someone, we can call that a blessing. Thanksgiving, we're going to be gathering together and thinking about our blessings. And we're going to be thankful for it. But I want to recognize some sad truths today. I sat up here last week, or stood up here last week and said, wow, another tragedy has befallen us. And we prayed for those of the Sutherland Springs Church. I put this up on the screen now. I put this up on the screen because as I thought about the things going on in this world, I realized that some people feel more blessed than others. Why is it that some people seem blessed and others not? Or i asked ask the question even more extreme. Why is it that some people seem extremely or especially blessed and others do not? Have you thought about that? We often ask our question, why does bad things happen to good people? But I'm not asking that question today. I'm asking, why are some people really blessed and others seem not? What, is it, what does it mean to feel blessed? How do we even describe that? So I wanted to start with this picture. I wanted to start this picture. When I think of blessing, when I try to visualize blessing, not in words but in picture, in my mind's eye, this is what I think of. I think of a glass or a bucket, and I think of God pouring his blessings, his water, his living water, his Holy Spirit, into my life. I feel in my spirit like he's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. As I said two weeks ago when I preached the message, empty cup, fill it up. The word says my cup overflows in Psalm 23. We talked about that. It says, may we overflow with your blessing and with your hope. God wants to fill us up, especially when times are difficult. And that's how I interpret blessing. It's not just the favor. It's, it's how I feel. And actually, and, and this, isn't, this is actually very scriptural, you know. It's, it, you got to be careful in charismatic circles talking about feelings, right? Because we get carried away with feelings. Don't get too emotional at the altar. You know, that's, you're drumming that up in the flesh. You know, it, too much feelings. I believe that God cares a lot about our feelings. That's why he came down to see what, it was, what all the mess was about. Why, why is it so difficult? He came down and walked with us and talked with us. He felt with us, he wanted to see he struggled with us, he was tempted with us. He cares about our feelings, and when I think about how I feel, this is what I, this is what I come to. so I want to share with you scripture, but today I want to make sure that that, that you This is one of those—I have a few scriptures today, and they're so important. I want you to open up your Bible. If you have a pen or something, I want you to circle it, because I want you to get the gravity of what we're about to unleash today. Why is it that some are blessed? Why is it that others seem blessed? Why don't, at times, why don't we feel so blessed? Let's look at what scripture says. I want to turn to Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 3. When you're there, say amen. When you're there, say amen. 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 We got a church. Amen. All right, let's look at the scripture here. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has... When it's yellow, that means you say it. Who has... All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. What I'm first trying to point out to you is that the Scriptures say clearly that we are a blessed people. We are blessed how we blessed. We're blessed through Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. And through the Son of God, we are blessed, the Scripture tells us. We are blessed with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came down to this planet with us, shed his blood, and with his blood we are blessed. We have remission from sin and we have access to the Father. And we are blessed now today in 2017 because of Jesus Christ. Guess where he sits? At the right hand of the Father. And guess what he's doing? Calling blessings down on each and every one of you. It's a good verse right the reason why i wanted you to open your bibles to it is because many of you realize the verse does not end there this is good enough i preach a whole sermon with it but verse 3 doesn't end there verse 3 continues continues with and with every and with somebody's got it spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because you are united with Christ. You realize what the Bible is saying? This is the first step of mind-blowing scriptures. The Bible literally says that through Jesus, with Jesus, because of Jesus, you and me and everyone who accepts Jesus and is united with Christ is available every spiritual blessing. I want you to read it. Every spiritual blessing. So, so, so you don't come to me at the altar and say, oh, The Lord doesn't want me to be blessed in this area, or to be blessed in that area, or to be blessed in this area. I struggle with this. I struggle—I can't get over this. I can't get over that. Those are lies. God wants you blessed in every spiritual area. I was talking about feelings, and I think I lost my my thought, and the Lord just brought it back to me really, 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 really really clearly— When I go back to scripture and I look at how he's concerned with feelings, I go back and I look at the Greek and the Hebrew. You know, I do this, I do this a lot. And I want to tell you when you look at the word blessing, do you know what its alternate translation is? It's very interesting. And I realize this in modern translations, like the the New Living Translation, it, it translates the word this way. It means happiness or happy. This is not joy, this is something else. This is, this is not joy. This is the happiness. See, blessings a lot of times are temporal. They come, they go. They come, they go. You know, and so there's a happiness that comes with blessings and that he wants us to have this spiritual fulfillment, this spiritual happiness through Christ church. And I told you last week, I told you last week, do you even allow yourself to accept it? Do you pause enough in your day to allow him to love on you? Do you pause in your day... Like when you're getting your coffee. We talked about a Duncan devotion. Just pausing and saying, Lord, man, you love me. You love me. He's ready to dote on you, to pour on you, to love on you. Every day, all the time, every time. Regardless of what traffic's like, regardless of what's going on Friday night, Or Saturday night What decision you just made What decision you're about to make He wants to love on you Amen That's just Ephesians 1 That's my first verse But as Brother Chuck knows we talk about all the time That's still sort of level 2 Level 1 is be thankful Level 2 is well we have something more to be thankful for Not just Christ but our blessings in our life God's alive today he's still blessing us But there's level 3 to this sermon and I want to get right to it because i got so much to unpack, and we'll see how it, com- how it comes out today. Um, and I feel lonely. My wife has stepped out, so um, if I keep looking over there, because um, that's not because I'm staring to see if any of you are asleep. That's because I'm seeing if my wife is back yet. She had to take my son to a, a leadership conference, and um, she's, she's coming back, and I'm, I'm excited for him, so I told him to go. All right, with this, level three. Do you feel like you are the blessed The blessed. This is interesting. I wrote this word down for my kids yesterday, my wife. And I said, this is what I want to talk about. And I wrote just those letters. B-L-E-S-S-E-D. You look at those letters just by themselves, and you'll enunciate the word blessed. You stick the word the in front of it, and you'll come to the enunciation blessed. That's because you're Christians. People who aren't Christians will say blessed and uh, I don't know what that's all about. Christians will say blessed because there's something that comes to mind when you say blessed. You've heard it before, it sounds familiar. Blessed. Hmm. That's in the Bible. The blessed. Who is the blessed? I'll let you think that for a second. Let me ask you an even more interesting question. It's a whole lot simpler. Who is the blessed? The blesser. I want you to think about it. I told you. This is mind-blowing stuff. The reason why blessed comes to mind so frequently for Christians who know the Word, who've studied the Word, is because of perhaps the most famous sermon of all times, and it wasn't one that I gave or ever will give. It was literally called The Sermon. I mean, literally, it was called the Sermon. The Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain. It was called the Sermon. Jesus Christ gave his first sermon, and it was called the Sermon. And in his the Sermon on the Mount, he started talking about the Blessed. He did it nine times, and we call it, in Christian theology, in Christian church, and Christian school, we call it the Beatitudes. And you see it in Matthew. You also see it in Luke. But here in Matthew, the fifth chapter of Matthew... And I spelled it right this time. You have anybody noticed that? Like, I've been spelling Matthew with one T for a year now. And my wife said, today will be the day you spell Matthew correctly with two T's. So she went in the PowerPoint and fixed it. Matthew. Chapter 5. Now you can open your Bible up to it. I opened mine up to it. It's the Sermon on the Mount. One day crowds gathered together and Jesus went up to the mountain, and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to preach. My word says teach. They gave the Beatitudes. It says something like this. I'm going to read them real quick just to get through it in case case you haven't read them in a while. It said, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are humble or meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who are merciful, so they will feel mercy. Blessed are those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. Blessed are those who are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for doing what is Right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now look, we could stand, pray, and walk out the door because that's pretty much what Jesus did. That is the sermon. It's the first one. I so much to say. I, gotta, I just got to try to articulate these thoughts to you. I got to try to get it into your spirit. I want you to be honest with yourself. How many of you today feel like the kingdom of heaven is yours? How many of you feel comfort? How many of you feel like you're going to inherit this world? How many of you feel like you're satisfied? How many of you feel God's mercy? How many of you, in our worship service today, saw God? Before you got to church today, did somebody call you? A child of God. Do you feel like the kingdom of heaven is yours? All these blessings are promised to us in the first sermon that Jesus gave. It's interesting, because the word blessed, in that context, blessed are those... We think about the Beatitudes nine times. Do you know that word is used 50 times in the New Testament? Jesus says, blessed are the eyes, blessed are the ears, blessed are the feet, blessed are you, blessed is he, blessed are they. He talks about the blessed all the time. Blessed, 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 blessed. When I say it that way, do you still feel blessed? Maybe you feel blessed, but this blessed people, wow, they got it good. I want to share another scripture with you. Because going through some of our minds right now, I know, I know we put on the nice exterior, yes, we love God, I love God so much, he blesses me, yes, church is good, worship, yay. I know we do that on the outside, but on the inside, let's be real, on the inside, some of us, all of us are struggling with something. We're struggling with our own success, our own confidence, our our own self-worth. We're struggling with an addiction. We're struggling with anger, jealousy, and emotion. We're struggling with the way things are in this world. We're struggling with what we see and what we believe is true. We're struggling. And some of us may come to the conclusion that we're not worth being blessed anymore. That, yeah, we may have a blessing here or there. Maybe that's coincidence. But God isn't truly trying to bless me. I'm not a pastor. I, I don't walk on water. I-, I-, I don't preach. I don't minister. And when I do, I-, I mess up. I don't deserve to be blessed. I know some of us think that. Because we're human beings. By the way, my son, he reminds me of this all the time, Griffin, he no longer calls people, people. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't say persons or people or them. Any of the pronouns that we generally use in the English language, he prefers the term human beings. So there are two human beings over there, he'll tell me. Who's the human being that just walked in? Why is that human being talking to mom? But it's great because I tell you, it's, it's, there is so much truth in babes. I don't care who it is, how great they are, or how terrible they are. We're all human beings, and God loves us all the same. And so, I want you to read this scripture now as we're into the next level. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Chapter 8, verse 32. It says, well, when you're there, say amen, because I want to make sure you're there. Now take a pen and highlight this or circle this. I need you to hear the words of the Lord today. Since he did not spare even his own son. I want to pause there. Since he did not spare even his own son. In plain English, this means he gave his own son to us, to this world, and we killed him. He gave his most prized possession to this world, and we killed him. He knew it would happen, and he did not spare his own son. Even when his own son sat at the Garden of Gethsemane crying blood. My son doesn't need to cry blood for me to do anything for him. Right? I mean, Sandy, you and I we were over at the party yesterday and kids are running around and little Bryce falls from a mile away. We don't even, you know, it could have been a big fall or a small fall. He cries a little bit and what do we do? We run to him. And we don't even care what happened. We're going to pick him up. We're going to love him and then we're going to remove him from the situation and we're going to make him feel all better. And that's us. This is God. His son's crying blood. And yet he still gave his son up. So I need you to understand the gravity of that statement. Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us? Say, also give us. Everything else. The original text phrases the words a little more interestingly. The original text says, won't he also freely give us all things? Remember all those things we were thankful for? Remember all friends, family, fun, finances, home, health, hobbies, all the things that I don't know we're thankful for? This is where it blows my mind. And I get into arguments with Christians Occasionally, I've stopped arguing because I'd rather focus. And I don't have time to get into all the dimensions of grace and prosperity and and where the the gospel message is today and, and how people contort it or conflict it. But I need to make sure you understand this verse. I want you to think of everything God is capable of blessing you with today. I want you to think of anything you could possibly think of. Now, here's what's amazing. A hundred of you right now are thinking of something different. Somebody's thinking about a special healing. Somebody's thinking about uh, potentially a job opportunity. Somebody's thinking about um, a child uh, meeting a spouse or a grandchild finally hearing the gospel. Or maybe somebody's thinking about overcoming tomorrow's struggle with addiction. Maybe somebody's thinking about a baby being conceived in their womb. Or a missionary receiving need. Or the church building receiving the finances it needs. There's a hundred different prayers that immediately went up when I said, I want you to think about the blessings that God is capable of giving you. Now, I want to ask you this question. How could you ever tell me or anyone on the planet especially yourself, that God somehow, way wants to withhold a blessing from you. Because the moment you think to yourself that God wants to withhold finances from me, and that he can't unleash financial blessing in my life, and that's not Christian-like, and I shouldn't be financially blessed, the moment you think that, the moment you've then said to the, yourself, God thinks financial blessings are better than Jesus Christ. Why? Because this verse says, look, he did not even hold back Jesus. He gave you Jesus. So if he's not going to hold back Jesus, why in the world would he hold back financial blessing? If he's not going to hold back Jesus, why in the world would he hold back healing? There is nothing greater than Jesus Christ. So there is no blessing on the planet that he would ever hold back from you. Guys, do you get this? Are you getting this? That doesn't mean he's going to give it to you when you want it and how you want it. It doesn't mean he's not going to protect you. It doesn't mean he's not going to teach you lessons. But the reality is, is you cannot allow yourself or others tell you that God is trying to hold you back from ultimately what he wants to bless you with. And most of the time, we tell ourselves this all the time. There's something we need to do. You know, we need to go to church more, read my Bible more, we need to do this, and we begin to self-condemn ourselves. And I want you to read your Bible. I want you to worship. I want you to pour out into this world. But there is the problem, church. I've preached this message so many different times. You're going to hear it today yet, yet one more time. And I thought maybe a visual would help you. So, so I wanted to think of the most compelling visual I could give you, so I put it in, in red letters. So why is it that some of us don't feel so blessed? Why is it? Why is it, you know, is it, could we compare ourselves to one another? Do we consider blessing being a dollar amount or a possession or a neighborhood or a job? Why is it, why is it, why is it in our minds that we don't feel so blessed? And this is the same message I've preached a bunch of different times. I'm going to preach it a little different this time, though, because I got led onto a theory here. I changed it up my, my way um, so that you could understand it. The theory I'm going to call you today, is, it's called the bucket theory. I want, you to, I want you to follow along with me for a second. This is the bucket theory. That is a bucket. It says Griffin on it on purpose. This is Griffin's little bucket he takes to school. But I was asking Griffin the other day, imagine the situation where I would ask Griffin, hey, look, dad needs some water. You want to help? Yeah, yeah, Dad, I'll help you. Okay. What can I do, Dad? I need you to take your bucket. God, I can get my bucket. I need you to take your bucket. I need you to go over to the hose. I need you to put the bucket under the hose. I need you to turn the hose on. Then I need you to pick the bucket up by its little bucket handle and bring the water to me. That makes sense, right? Here's Griffin. Griffin. Okay, Dad, I'll grab my bucket. I'll take the bucket to the hose. I'll put the bucket under the hose. And I'll bring it to you. The first time he does this, I'm shocked. Because there's no water in the bucket. (laughs) Clearly, you and I are thinking the same thing. The problem must be the instructions. Griffin, did you turn the hose on? Okay, daddy, okay. He goes, he follows the same instructions, takes the bucket to the hose, puts the bucket under the hose, turns the hose on, carries the bucket to me using the handle. The second time, the bucket's still empty. Is the hose on? Yes, dad. As a matter of fact, the hose is still on right now. What in the world could possibly... What instruction did I not... Did you take the bucket to the hose? Yes, Dad. Did you put the bucket under the hose? Yes, Dad. Did you carry it by the handle? Because maybe, maybe he carried it by the bottom and it all fell out. I carried it by the handle. Why is there no water? Sh- show me. Can you please show me what you've done? And here's the bucket theory. For those of you who can't see the picture I have right now, I have a picture of Griffin on the screen, under the hose. The hose is about to be turned on. The bucket is under it, but the bucket is upside down so no matter how much water he pours over that bucket he'll have no blessing it's my bucket theory in academic circles they call it the well theory if you have a well and you take a cup and you push that cup in there and pull the water out your cup will be filled but if you take the cup and you push it down without going under the water, the cup will not be filled. You see, this picture that I put on the screen is exactly what God is trying to tell us today. That often is the case we come to church especially around Thanksgiving, and when we think about blessings or we think about thankfulness, we often say to ourselves, he's more blessed than me because God loves him more. God gives him more blessing. God pours it out on him. He must pray more. He's a youth pastor. God loves them acts a whole lot. And, and God's blessing is just pouring all over his life. Or where's Amber, the worship leader? Yeah, she must be praying and singing all the time. So God's just pouring blessings all over her. So not me. I can't get the hose turned on. But do you realize, church, the hose is always on, church. The problem isn't the hose. You see, it's two parts to your blessing. There's the pouring out of the blessing, and I've already shared with you that he wants you to be blessed, that you are blessed because of Jesus Christ, that he wants your cup overflowing. I've already told you that he wants to give you every spiritual blessing. And blessed are thee. I've told you. I've shown you. The problem isn't with the hose, church. The problem is with receiving the blessing. Now, I don't know, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, as I was growing up into the Christian church, they figured this out, and they would use a word all the time. They'd say, you know, I receive the blessings. I claim the blessings. It's not something we say a lot anymore, but I need you to understand the importance of these words. Some of us don't feel so blessed because some of us won't receive the blessing. Remember the kid at the beginning? He was blessed with a box of tissues. He needed those tissues. He's probably going to use 100 of them in the course of the year. What did he do with his blessing? She needed the paper. She needed the toothpaste. The Lord is blessing you. Are you willing to acknowledge it and receive it? Will you receive his blessing? Now, this is where it gets mind-blowing. There is a level four. Are you ready? Now look, if I go here, it's going to take me probably past 12. Are you, or do you want me to continue to have any more? Because I don't care. There's lots for me to do. we got meetings after church. i got to take my kids to lunch. You know, I'm going to preach next week. Hallelujah. So I can preach Tom i blue in the face or I can wait till next week. But if you want me to, I'll share level four with you right now. Well, there's a couple. How about this? If you don't want me to share level four, just leave. That's fine. And you'll prove my point all the more. Um, okay. So here is, here is the point in plain English. In plain English. God literally wants you to take from him. He literally wants you to take from him. You see, we as nice American Christians and parents, we don't like the word take. We'll say give Or share, but definitely don't take that toy from that kid. Receive at may be okay, but take no. Today I want you to understand it is more blessed. To give than to receive when it comes to people. When you're around people, you should be giving from what's in your spirit and your soul to other people. The blessings that are in your life, you should be giving those to other people. But that's because you're the blessed. Where do those blessings come from? You can't give what you don't have, church. Do you see we've preached this message— Four or five times, Chris. I think I did it over the summer. I called it Salt Life. A buddy here gave me a sticker to remind me. I talked about the flow. You can't pour out what hasn't been poured in. When the Lord pours salt into your life, you pour it out into the world. Do you see what I'm saying, church? I preached it at Valentine's Day this year. I had right here, I had ladies in the front saying, when you feel the love of Christ, then you show the love of Christ. It's hard to show the love of Christ unless you feel the love of Christ. You see, that's how it works in a marriage. That's how it works in a family. You feel the love you show the love. I said it again two weeks ago. Could you figure it out? If you have an empty cup, fill it up. And when your cup's filled up, then you pour it out. Guess what? You'll have an empty cup again. Then fill it up. Are you following it yet, church? I was saying this. I've learned a lesson. Sometimes my messages, they get a little deep. They get a little out there. And I know we're still figuring things out as a church and as a pastor and as a congregation. So I try all my messages out on my nine-year-old daughter. Maddie, do you understand what I'm talking about? And I said to her, she says, well, what's your main point, dad? I said, I I, I don't know. I read it to her. She says, oh, I know what it is. God gave it. You take it. I said, what do you mean? She said, didn't the Bible say God gave his only begotten son? Aren't we supposed to take his salvation? We have to go take it. That's it, honey. She got it in a heartbeat. God gave it. You take it you understand what I'm saying? That too many times we're self-condemning ourselves and we're asking God to answer prayer. He's already answered. We just won't receive the blessing in our life because of Satan, ourselves, or something else going on. Are you following me, church? It gets better. Now, I think in my excitement, I can see on the screen here, in my excitement, you know how when you're so excited you write words, you read the words that are in your head, not on the paper? I think I left the word out here. I apologize. Um, So on the screen, it may not make exactly sense, but if you take these two statements and you make the point that God really wants me to make right now, it'll look like this. God wants you to go out of your way. It's supposed to say go out of your way. To go out of your way to take from Him. What does that mean? God wants you to go out of your way to take from Him. He wants you to go out of your way to take from Him. Example. Jacob. Man, I love the story of Jacob. Jacob was willing to receive the blessing more than Esau. Jacob went out of his way to take the blessing from his father. Went out of his way to take his blessing from Isaac. Was it the right way? I'm uh, I'm not saying that. He didn't do things the right way. But what was inside of him is what God was honoring. What was inside of him is that he was going out of his way to openly receive the blessing. He was going to stop at nothing to receive that blessing, including the soup and all of the shenanigans. But it didn't end there. You see, later on God taught him, and he paid the price for that, by the way. He chased around, he almost died. But later on he figured out, this inside of me is what makes me who I am. It's what makes me who I am. It's what makes me who I am. So when the angel came down, he says, I'm going to go out of my way to get the blessing. No, angel, you ain't leaving until you bless me. Do you see what I'm saying, church? You want exceptional blessings in your life? You want to know why others you look at it feel like they're exceptionally blessed? I tell you today, church, are you going out of your way to take from God? out of your way to exceptionally take from God. Now, you may say to me, because when the Lord was bringing this to me and he was bringing this to me, I thought to myself, this is crazy. This is heresy. We don't take from God. And I began to listen. I began to read one of you. I don't know who it is, gave me a book. I got lots of books. One of them was from Pastor Prince, Joseph Prince, and I was reading it. And he confirmed this point in me and, and, and he brought this out in very clear language. I'm telling you today, church, that God is in the business of us taking from him. What do you mean? I need to share this with you. I told you, level four. Hebrews, verse seven, chapter seven. You can turn your Bibles, you can highlight this. It says, the lesser is blessed by the greater. It says, the lesser is blessed by the greater. What does this mean? It means that when you have a lot, you bless a lot. And you generally bless those who don't have a lot. So if you're going to go around blessing everybody, you need to have more. You need to be greater to bless. How are you going to be greater? God is going to bless you. Do you see, great givers in the church are often great receivers. Great givers are often great receivers. They receive from God and then they give it out. Said differently, I think it was Paul in Acts, right? He's walking around to the leper or or the paralytic. And the paralytic says, give me silver and gold. That's not something he had. He says, I can't give you silver and gold. Such as I have, I give to you. And he answers his prayer and he gets up. You see, church, the point is, as you have, you can bless. As God has given you, you can bless. And God wants to give you all these things. So it's you that has to take them, receive them, and then bless others with it. Do you see? Do you see how it works? He needs you to take from him. There is no greater... There is no greater than Christ himself. That's the point. That's the point. When we look to the Bible and we look to Judaism, we go back we look at Abraham. We look at Isaac. We look at Jacob. They were all great. We look at Joseph. He was great. We go look at Moses or Joshua. They were great. We go look at David, a man after God's own heart. He was great. But these were all men. You can't take from them. You deplete them. You bring them down. But Christ was greater than all of these people. Do you know that? And, church, some of you need to hear this. Christ is greater than you. You may think that is your job to be the blesser. You may think it is your job to bless, 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 bless. You get this in your mind that your value, your worth comes from blessing others, however, you do it. Get this straight, church. You are the lesser, He is the greater. It is God that is going to bless through you, church. He is the one that never says enough because there is no enough with him. He can continue to pour out into you so that you can pour out into those around you. Amen? And now the last point. So Amber, if you can help me close. This is where it gets real exciting. So since you stuck around, I'm going to give you the last and final level five. This is the part that put it all together for me and that got me so excited about this message and where we're headed with this message and where we're headed with this series. And I wanted to start off on this foot because it's Thanksgiving and you need to be blessed. You need to feel blessed. You need to allow your open hands. You remember we preached that message about open hands? An open hand receives from God. Worship with an open hand. Receive from him. But in fairness for Chris, who has taught me otherwise, I'm not going to give my last point while you're all standing. I'll let you sit so you can scurry through your Bible and make a note, and then I'll have you stand. What if I told you that God not only wants you to take from Him, and, and, and look, for any of you who think that's still crazy, wasn't it Jesus who said He came to serve and not to be served? Isn't it the same Jesus who said, I want to wash your feet? No, 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 don't wash my feet. If you don't let me wash your feet, if you don't take from me, you're not part of me. Jesus requires you to take from him. He requires you to take his blood offering. Next week, we're going to do communion. He requires you to take his body and his blood. But church, hold on. Because I'm telling you, as I started pastoring, for whatever reason, I have gravitated to the woman at the well. I've preached nine sermons about it in some house, some shape, some form. When I did fill the cup up, I talked about the woman at the well. I'm gonna bring it back now. I want you to look at this picture. I want you to think about that woman at the well. Jesus. Exhausted hungry thirsty risking perhaps his reputation or a confrontation goes into Samaria he goes to the well he's so exhausted he sits down by the water can't even get any water So hungry, all 12 disciples say, we'll run off into Samaria and we'll try to get some food. And they all leave him. This broken, tired, exhausted, hungry, depleted Jesus, the human side of him, just like you and I feel, sitting at the well. Here comes the woman. The woman comes. And what does she do? She wants to come to get water. You all know how this story goes. She doesn't get her water. She's not able to take her water from the well. But what does she do? She starts taking something else. She starts to take from Jesus. She starts to take from Jesus. She starts to take from Jesus and take from Jesus and take from Jesus. Then she drops her bucket, and she runs to the town to tell everybody about who God is. And then, level five, what happens? You can look at John chapter four, around verse 30. The disciples come back, and guess what they have? Lunch. Jesus, you've got to be exhausted and starving. Here's lunch. Lunch. And you know what he says? Do you know what he says, church? I have a food that you know not of. Jesus began to rejoice in the ministering to the Sumerian women. Church, here's the point. When you take from Jesus, it literally refreshes him. It invigorates him. I don't need the food. I have something better. I don't need what you're offering me. I have something to Father has already given me and that I am giving to you. Church, do you get a hold of this? What took place? She came to take, take, take from him. And Jesus was invigorated. You see, when you come to me at the altar and you ask me to pray for you and you ask me to bless you and you take from me, you know what happens? I get tired. I get drained. I get exhausted. On Sundays I can barely make it home before I'm asleep. I get depleted. I'm a human being. I can only do so much. There is not enough with God. When you come to him, he gives and gives and gives because you can take and take and take and he wants you to do it the more you take the more refreshed he gets church we at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean it was not by chance you listened to it God is speaking to you visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean we pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.